delay any further. We thank Allah that our brother is with us tonight. Let us bring him on with a warm welcome, Brother Minister Louis Farrakhan. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his servant. I greet you, my dear brothers and sisters, with the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. I, I wanted to, before we begin, say that the new uh, Final Call newspaper is out. And it has a picture of Mr. Reagan and a picture of Brother Farrakhan. And the headline says, Farrakhan is right. Right with respect to Reagan and the things that <clears throat> I was shown in a vision about this man and his lust to kill uh, Muammar Gaddafi and the war that he and his Joint Chiefs of Staff was planning against Libya. And this was revealed to me in September of 1985, the 17th of September, but I did not know that they had consummated the plan to uh, bomb uh, Libya, to invade Libya around Labor Day, uh, which is uh, early September 1985. So everything that I warned uh, Mr. Reagan of uh, over the last um, near seven years uh, is now coming to pass. And the striking thing about the warning is that warning is never meant to hurt you. Warning is meant to keep you from hurting yourself. All of our parents and friends, teachers, at one time or another have warned us not to do this or not to do that. And if we did this, the consequence would be, and we were heedless to these warnings and ultimately fell into exactly what someone told us we would come into. It doesn't mean that a person is a prophet or a seer to be a warner. God can give you something to give to me. You may lay down and just have a dream. And in that dream, God will say to you, you should say such and such to Brother Farrakhan. <clears throat> this does not mean you have all of a sudden become an angel or all of a sudden become a prophet. But it does mean that God has his own way of communicating to us through us. And if we are open for his communication, he will communicate to us for ourselves as well as for others. Unfortunately, the things that I said to Mr. Reagan 
he did not pay attention to it. And I was blessed to see when he was very, very popular that he would go out in disgrace. And so I think that this is a very uh, interesting paper this time. And uh, the article of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is titled, it's from the book of Isaiah, Your Agreement with Hell Will Not Stand. And the article of Brother Farrakhan uh, is titled, Warning is Mercy. Warning is Mercy. And any time you get a warning about anything you are doing or about to do, this is God's own way of showering you and me with mercy. And if we fail to heed the warning, then the punishment or the consequence of rejection we must bear. Okay? Now, the whole scope of Elijah Muhammad's teachings is warning and mercy to us as uh, a people whom white America has nearly completely destroyed, and it is a warning to the government of the United States of the consequences of the evil that will come upon America for her unwarranted evils done to an innocent people whose fathers were brought into a condition of slavery by their fathers. We had nothing to do with it. We just ended up in a condition. So God today has to champion the cause of the oppressed. This is in his nature that he stands with those who are deprived of justice, who are deprived of equity, who are deprived of freedom. For these three essentials to life are not something for white people or other people to give to you and me, but these are God-given guarantees. And anyone that imposes his will or her will to deprive us of God's will then God must defend his will and ultimately you have never seen any oppressor, any tyrant, any slave master have perpetuity or long lasting power in evil. There are forces always at work in the cause of freedom, justice and equality. I'm sure that's clear to all of you. Now, that's not my uh, subject tonight. Tonight I want to continue my discourse with you from this past uh, Sunday. Now, when uh, Reverend Jim Baker fell from grace, so to speak, with the PTL or the Praise the Lord movement that uh, he fathered, really, on television. Many Christian ministers took to the airwaves 
saying that Satan, Satan overpowered their brother. In one sense, that is true. That is really, really, really true. But in another sense, it's very immature spiritually for us to believe that there is this spooked up kind of Satan who is around looking for every child of God to bring you down. And whenever you make a misstep, Satan got you. You don't have anything to do with it yourself. But some spooky, ethereal being slipped up on you when you were not aware and just got you to do sin. So it's really not your fault. It's that wicked old demon, Satan. Now, this is theology that is true, but it is geared for the spiritually childlike who are not ready to come to grips with their own responsibility for evil, their own responsibility for good, all right? Now, if we look at nature, if we look at life, if we look at the very atom which is the small particle of matter, and we understand that the scholars and scientists say, pardon me, that matter is neither created or destroyed, so matter is infinite. So if we look at matter, which is anything that uh, has weight and takes up space, though there are particles of matter that you and I cannot see with the naked eye, but they can be weighed, and they do take up space, but we may not have the wisdom of how to weigh such small particles of matter. But in the smallest particle of matter, which at one time it was the atom, but now the scholars and scientists have seen something smaller than the atom, smaller than the neutron, smaller than the proton. They call it a little thing called a quark, Q-U-A-R-K. It is a small bit of matter, but in that matter, you will always find the polarity or the positive and the negative. It exists in the tiniest particle of matter all the way out to the extremity of the universe itself. You will see positive and negative or you will see these opposites and each opposite has is a force and it is the working of these forces that create what we call life itself. So you have life and you have death. You have light and you have darkness. You have positive and you have negative. You have hot 
and you have cold. You have joy and you have sadness. Is that right? You have pain and you have pleasure. You have freedom, you have slavery, you have truth, you have falsehood, you have light, you have darkness, you have God, you have devil or Satan. Now, if God is a good God and there is no person who believes in God that believes that God is other than good, we know that God is good. Well, then if God is good and all things are created by God, then did God make devil? And if God made devil, how could a good God make devil? And if he made devil to give us hell, then how is God good? And if God made devil, what did he make him from? Since he is the author of all things and evidently this serpent was right there in the garden according to the Bible when you read the story of Adam you read where God created the heavens and the earth right and he said it was good he created all of this he created man said this is good then he didn't want man alone he went into man took one of his ribs, he made Eve, said, this is good. It never said that God created the snake. But all of a sudden, here come a serpent in the garden, slipping up to Eve to get Eve to disobey God. So all of a sudden, the serpent now is in the garden. And from that time of Adam's fall, when you read the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you read of man having a problem with this thing called Satan or devil. And he's not able to conquer Satan. He's not able to conquer devil. And just when he thinks he's got the upper hand, Satan comes up and knocks him down. Satan gets into his prophets. Satan gets into his messengers. Satan gets into the people of God's choice. And after God chooses them and makes a covenant with them and delivers them, they turn around and set up other gods beside God. Satan seems to have a way with God's people. I think it's about time that we get a grip on this Satan dude. <laughs> and it's about time that we become mature, thinking people of religion, that our pastors don't need to preach these fire and brimstone sermons about you're going to burn in hell, you know. Yes, sir. You, if you don't listen to what I say, you're going to hell and you're going to burn and it's an eternal fire. I mean, you ought to think about that. An eternal fire and you don't burn up. Ain't no fire <laughs> that you have ever seen last too long that it don't fix up matter and get rid of it. 
but you're going to be in an, in an eternal fire. I don't understand that, but I do understand it. But I want to help you by the grace of Allah, through the guidance of the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, to get a better grip on this thing called religion. So that you will be respectful of the way you were taught, but know now that you are too mature to be taught like a child and continue to respect religion. I wish the pastors of religion would be listening. Now, dear beloved, again, as I mentioned Sunday, and I will mention it again tonight, most preachers who lift up the standard of righteousness and decency preach righteousness in a way to make everybody that does something contrary to what God wants guilty. So if you go to church, and it's a holiness church or Pentecostal church or church of God in Christ. These are the kinds of churches that really want the people to be right. And they strive for that. Jehovah's Witness likewise. And of course, the Muslims. There are many denominations of Christianity that really want to see the people right. But it is in those kinds of denominations where you find the most oppression. Because the people say they want to be right and they get weak and they make a misstep. All of a sudden, they are made immobile because of guilt. I mean, how many times have we done something that we know is wrong and we just know it is totally wrong? Then in the night, when everybody else in the house is asleep, we can't sleep because the deed that we have done is bothering us. And you never stop to wonder, what is this that troubles me at night? See? What is this that troubles me at night where I cannot sleep because I have done something that I know is wrong? Now, nobody in my house knows that I did it. But I can't sleep. So somebody in my house knows what I did and got me up. All right. Now, if we look, beloved, at the nature of the teachings of the uh, Christian ministers, it is to make you afraid of hell so that you will not do the thing that will get you hell by frightening you so bad with this devil and frightening you so bad about you burning up that you get so scared you want to do wrong but you won't do it because you're scared. It doesn't mean that you still are right but you're just afraid to do wrong, so physically you may look like you still belong to the holiness church. Or you still on the path of right, but up here in the mind where sin 
is conceived and the act of sin is consummated on a spiritual level, you already committed the act over and over and over and over and over and over again. And every time the act is committed in the mind, you are actually like a record making a groove. And it is only a matter of time before the physical act is consummated because in reality, you've already done it. You know, the mind is a powerful thing. When I was young, sometimes, you know, children have accidents, they say. They thought they were in the bathroom. Actually thought they went to the bathroom and end up wetting the bed. Is that right? But that's the mind. See? I'm not going any further along that line. <laughs> but the mind is powerful. Do you follow what I am saying? So, whenever we do something that is contrary to what is right, and the preachers hold up the standard of God, and God is very clear in the Bible and in the Quran of the things that he disapproves of. I mean, there's no gray area. It's absolute. He don't like this, he doesn't like that. He likes this, but he don't like that. So when the preacher raises up the standard of what God likes, immediately when you hear it raised up, if you've been doing something contrary, what happens? Drop your head, you feel a little shame. Look, oh God, I hope he get off that sucker. <laughs> Why you want him to get up? Because I'm guilty. So most of these evangelical preachers that you read on television or hear on television or see on television, hear on the radio, or maybe your own pastors, they preach in a way to have a congregation full of guilty people. So can you imagine Jimmy Swaggart saying, God don't want nobody drunk. Well, that's right. But I just come out the whiskey store. Not me personally. <laughs> but if you just got a bottle, how you feel? All right, Jimmy, get off of that. I just paid so much and so much for this fifth. Then they start talking about dope. And you got some pot in the house, some crack, or whatever you use. But the way they preach it, they preach it in a way where you're guilty, but you ain't ready to give it up. You understand? I'm guilty, but I'd be damned if I'm going to let this man drive me away from what I like. And God, God don't like fornication and adultery. And, I mean, the people's face immediately drops because everybody is guilty. <laughs> Satan and got a hold to you. Satan got you. Satan is doing this. They say, oh, Lord, Satan must got me. Oh, now you really messed up. And guilt got you so tied down till you can't think straight, you can't move, because guilt is a burden. God does not want us to preach his religion 
as though we are free. I'm talking about the preachers. Free from any sin or any guilt. And he doesn't want you to take a people that he came to save. And you destroy them with a heavy burden of guilt. But at the same time, you must lift up the standard of what he requires and then give them the strength to build their will to overcome their weakness that they may live up to the standard of God and thereby gain access to God's favor. There's a difference there. Preaching to make people feel guilty is not the spirit of a God of mercy. Preaching to make people feel, wow, I've fallen short, but here's the way I can make it up and get on up to God. And that's the way it should be done. Okay? Now, look at this. In our body, this body that Almighty God has so bounteously and wonderfully fashioned for us. It is a goodly form, our form. It is a marvelous instrument, this body. Would you agree? In it, there's a heaven and there's a hell. Or there's an upper region, a heavenly part of us, which deals with that which does the controlling, the guiding. And there's the earthly part, which of course is the flesh, the blood, the bone. Okay? Now there's an unseen part of us, and there's a very visible part of us. The unseen or spiritual part deals with the way you think. You can't see that. But if you watch the actions of a person, it can tell you something about the way they think. But the real core of a man's thinking, or a woman's thinking, is called the heart. And the heart is compared in the scriptures of the Bible to the male organ. Oh, God. Now, this is not no filthy, cheap talk here tonight. Why is the heart compared to the male organ? Jesus talks about circumcision of the heart. Is that right? You can't circumcise the heart. Circumcision is an act decreed upon the Jews and Muslims of the male organ. It is the cutting away of the foreskin of the male organ. Now, what is it about the foreskin of the male organ that compares it with the heart or the core? of a man or woman's thinking. The seat of our intellect 
and the core of our emotions. The foreskin is that which comes over, covers over the male organ and hides disease. Yes, so wise Allah, God, ordered that the children of Israel, the male children, be circumcised because the male organ can hold disease because it is in a dark place and it is covered. And this is where all germs or bacteria grow. They grow in darkness. And this is why under the arms and in all of the real dark places where there is more moisture and more darkness, there is the growth of more bacteria. Do you understand? So now, if this instrument is the instrument of life itself, and it is dirty with bacteria building up under that foreskin that is unseen, and that is placed where it is created to be placed for the procreation of life, and it is passing on life, but it's also passing on death in the germs and disease that is around it that is unseen. So Moses asked the little Jewish boys that when they are coming from their mother, a few days old, cut away the foreskin, that the organ of life may be constantly washed and kept clean. But what about your heart? And what about your thinking? And what about the seat of your intellect? Mama don't know what you're thinking. Daddy don't know what you're thinking. You can hide your thoughts from anybody but yourself and God. So you can always appear to be one thing on the outside that you ain't got nothing to do with on the inside. Look at this now. So cutting away the foreskin of the heart, or Jesus called it circumcision of the heart, means cutting away that which hides the filth of an individual's thought process. You hear me? Because from your heart flows the issues of life. From the male organ flows the germ of life. So if the vessel or vehicle through which life issues forth is corrupted, then whatever comes forth is corrupted. So no human being can speak the word of God as pure as the word of God is because the word of God is coming through the heart of an individual that may not be clean. Listen to me good now. I'm going to say that again. Look, that's why a lot of people that want to preach the word of God, I mean, this is a serious thing here. This is no plaything because whatever is in you it begins to corrupt the word. 
a brother was about to go and preach one day and I asked him, what is your reason? Why do you want to preach? What is your motive? Why do you want to preach? If you preach for applause, you'll get it. But if you preach for applause, meaning vanity is issuing forth from the heart, then the vanity of the heart actually poisons the word because it's, it's a corruption of the spirit in which God revealed that word. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want you to listen now. Oh, y'all all right? If I'm preaching because I want you to recognize me as somebody big or great, that's vanity, that's self-conceit, that poisons the word because God don't reveal the word for people to seek honor. God doesn't reveal the word for self-aggrandizement. God reveals his word for a very specific purpose. And in this case, it is to raise up a people that the white world has destroyed. And any vain thought that enters our mind is a corruption to the spirit of God. So the heart has to be made clean, meaning the foreskin of the heart must be cut away so that the stench, the things that you think that stink, have to be able to be washed. And how do you wash the heart? You can wash the male organ with soap and water, but how do you wash the core of your thinking and the seat of your own intellect to make sure that your knowledge is not corrupted? How do you wash that? See, water is to the body and soap is to the body what sincere prayer is to the seat of our intellect people that don't pray don't recognize God don't recognize our need and our dependence on him then this thing begins to start getting corroded and I want to show you beloved by the help of God where this Satan fella is tonight some Muslims who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad got very angry with me when I began to teach this they thought I was going away from the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because I don't want you to keep looking at the white man and seeing him as the only devil That would be unjust, unjust to yourself as well as to them. The eye cannot see inward. Your eye sees me. My eye sees you. So now when you see me, you don't see you. And when I see you, I don't see me because the eye is made to look out. What God wants is for you to look in because the easiest thing you can do is blame somebody else. Have you ever seen people who fail, Pete, if it wasn't for her? I'd have been a great preacher, but she out-preaches me, so I hate her. 
Have you ever seen people blame others when they don't achieve what they think they should achieve? Well, if it wasn't for my mother, it uh, wasn't for my father, that no good bum. See, he never brought any money home. That's what it was. And you're a big, grown hulk. 25, 30 years old, you blaming your mother and your father for your shortcoming? Don't you realize that you are now the master of your destiny? And if you as a grown person want to continue to blame the white man, blame your father, blame your mother, blame the educator. I had a bad teacher. I went to that dumb school over there. I, I was in reform school. I went to jail. I went to here. Every place you've been is school. And if you learn what you're supposed to learn, you come out of wherever you've been with a determination to become your own master. Do you hear me? Look now. We can run around blaming society. Well, society got me all messed up. That's why I'm using drugs. Is this white man? Damnable world that that cracker built, that no good pack of wood hunky. And you steam yourself all up. And what have you done? The white man is still ruling, and you sit talking about him. And you can't see that if you don't get a grip on you. The white man will be in power tomorrow, the day after, and the day after. Now look at the mayor, <coughs> the good mayor. <coughs> when the mayor won in 1983, he shocked everybody. We were happy, well, we happy. We got a black mayor. And the moment the mayor, in his acceptance speech at Navy Pier, told us what he was intending on doing, the next day, Vodoliak and the boys had gotten together, and I mean it was a battle royal from that point on. Is that right? Now look how God works. That man had difficulty. It was the 29 against the 21 and the fight was on is that right exactly. then the mayor had to maneuver he went to court got certain uh, 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 maps overturned created new wards new black aldermen to the cause hispanic aldermen he's fighting to get control because you can't govern nothing that you don't control Now, Vidoliak jumped out. I get him. I, I, I want to be mayor. Now, Vidoliak is out. The mayor got control. Burke is going. Now, the mayor will show us what's really in himself. That may be good. I believe it is, but it don't have to be. See, the forces that God sets up as opposition, they are forces that help to keep you in check. When you overcome those forces and now feel free, then the freedom manifests 
everything that's hidden in you, the thing that is good, and also the thing that is not so good. Now, let's deal with this devil. Y'all all right? Now, you got the head. And you got the body. The head, of course, is that which creates satisfaction for the body. The body has urges that send messages to the head. The head thinks and satisfies urges, needs. One. Now, since all of us are the same, basically we're the same. What you want, I want. What you need, I need. You need air, water, earth, food, clothing, shelter, education, love, peace, happiness, right? Yes. Comfort. Yes, sir. And the union of male and female, yes. the procreation of the human species. And at some point along this road, death comes. Can't help it, right? right? Now, even though we don't like death, we just don't like that fella. <laughs> He's a mean old dude, eh? But you can't have this without this. Do you know when you breathe in the air, these are living atoms. When you breathe it in, you change their form. They die that you live. You eat the vegetation of the earth, it's alive. When you put it in, you change its form to an energy to keep your life going. So if that didn't die, you couldn't live. The chicken wanted to live too. The fish wanted to live too. But you ate the chicken tonight. <laughs> you ate the fish tonight. Hope you had something good to eat. Or you ate the hog tonight. <laughs> and that died in order for you to live, some of you more miserably, but you're still alive. The point is, death feeds life, and life feeds death. These are opposites. And these opposites are working actually together for the benefit of service to the will of God. Now, if we, as I said in my uh, lecture in Phoenix, Arizona, which became the base of this new uh, course of study, I said that there is but one life. There's not a life for white people and a life for black people and a life for Chinese people and a life for Hispanic people. God only gives one life. Listen good now. That life has its root in water. Now, if your life have a root in water, my life has a root in water. The plants have a root in water. The insects have a root in water. Is that right? Yes. All living things 
have a root in water. Okay. Then if water is common to all living things, and it is, there is only one life. And God gives that to everyone. On the human level, God only gives one life. Now, look at this. Water has three forms. As matter can be liquid, solid, or gas. Is that right? Yes, sir. Water is liquid. But if you boil it to the 212 degrees, you get a gas. And that gas is called what? And the nature of steam is? It rises. The difference between steam and water, water seeks its level, steam goes up. Is that right? But when you freeze water below 32 degrees, it changes its form, and it becomes what? Ice. Ice. But there ain't but one life. If you thaw the ice out, you get water. If you heat the water up, you get steam. If you cool the steam, you get water. If you cool it further, you get ice. And you can keep this thing going forever. So what is ice today could be water tomorrow, could be steam the day after. And what is steam today could be ice tomorrow, depending. Yes. Now there's a lot in this. Now look, if, if there isn't but one life, where the hell does this devil and stuff come from? Now, see this head here? God gives you this so that you can develop it. You develop the faculties that he gives you, then every force or urge or need of the body is regulated, is controlled by the intelligence of the head. You know the bum down here in one of these missions? He got the same kind of head that you got. But what's the difference between his head and your head? Only difference is the intelligence and the use of it to satisfy need. This man that got a good head on his body that head serves the body by controlling and mastering the life forces. Now, Sunday with Jim Baker, what we were talking about was the force called sex. That's a powerful force, isn't it? Have you ever been hungry? You ever been hungry? When you get hungry, what do you do? You try to eat. If there ain't no food, you go somewhere and get some. And if, if there ain't no food, you'll steal it. You get hungry enough, you'll hurt somebody. Tell the truth. 
Just let some beans be cooking. And somebody tell you you can't eat and you hungry and ain't no look like you're going to die, you break the door down. Get you a gun and you don't want nothing but the pot of beans. People, when they get hungry, they eat rats rather than dying. Now, now listen, don't, don't, don't talk to me now if you don't, you don't want to reason with me. This is not foolishness. This urge to feed the appetite of hunger is so strong that when people have been in uh, airplane crashes and they have been without food and their friend died in the crash, they have cut up their friend and eaten their friend to satisfy what? Hunger. Hunger. That's how bad that force is. So you don't even know what you are as long as there's some food around. You didn't hear, Brother Firecon. As long as mama got the meal on the table, you don't know what you are. But when you lose the ability to eat, to get food, and you get hungry, the people, the Palestinians in the refugee camps, when they rung those camps with soldiers and wouldn't let no food go in, they began eating rats and cats and whatever they could find. Because hunger will make you do that. And the Bible says that that day would become so bad you would look. as you say you love your child get hungry enough and you may eat your own young like some lower animals do because you don't know how powerful the urge to eat is until you are without food and this is why beloved in the Muslim world and among righteous people And the reason that they teach fasting is because feeding the stomach is a powerful urge that must be under your and my control. Mm. Now you got food now, right? And anytime you want, you go to the refrigerator, open it up, and eat. <laughs> and you wish you say I, I wish I could lose this weight I just wish but what is it that you wish you wish you could control the urge but that urge has overpowered you see so fasting allows us to discipline the urge and no one can be righteous unless we can control the inner forces that are all good. They are all good. Or you don't want to call them good. You say they are all forces. They are neither good nor bad. But if the intelligence does not bring these forces under control, then evil becomes your way of life. Look, I'm hungry. My nature says self-preservation is the first law. 
I don't have any food. I come to you, I said, Miss, I haven't eaten in a week. Could you spare something? You say, nigga, <laughs> get away from my door. You damn bum, why didn't you get something to eat? Now, right there, the urge could be so strong, it overpowers my intelligence. Then I kill you <laughs> for a piece of bread. Listen. Now the person is not evil, the person is hungry. But the urge overcame reason. And now you have an animal on your hand because human beings are potentially animals and they are potentially God. Yes, You've got the potential to be as low down as you want to be yes. or you can go as high as oh, God himself. Yes. He is the ideal. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know. God, the time is rolling. Everybody all right? Yes. Stick with me now. All right. Now, you know, there's a need to be loved. Yes, sir. Don't you want to be loved? Yes, sir. Don't you want to be loved? Yes, sir. I want to be loved. That's a need. Now, what will you do? How far will you go to be loved? Well, I, I, I don't know. I ain't going to do nothing to be loved, but that's a lie. Sometimes your need to be loved bends you all out of shape. Because you don't recognize that you already are loved by the one who brought you into existence. But because you don't recognize the divine love, you need parental love. All of us as children need to be loved by our parents. We need to feel that our parents love us. I didn't know that my mother loved me until I was a grown man. Now, you may laugh, but I don't think it's funny. Because I suffered my whole young life thinking that my mother didn't love me because I didn't understand the way she demonstrated her love. Most black people have never received love. They don't know how to show love. So the only thing they can do to show you their love is not this cuddly, hugging and squeezing and tender thing, but they show you love by feeding you three meals a day and going out and working and sacrificing to see that you have this and have that. They may not always be there when you think you want them and need them, but it don't mean that they don't love you. Circumstances don't allow them to be where you want them to be. So I can see now, as a grown man looking back on my wonderful mother, I never laid down in a dirty bed. I never put on a dirty pair of underwear, and I never had to wear an underwear more than one time. I never had unclean socks. I never went to bed hungry. I never lived in a dirty home. My home was clean all the time. We were poor, but we were dignified. I never had to wear tattered clothes. Mom knew how to sew, and she would scrimp and save, and Easter time, she would dress me in a new suit. Yes, sir. 
keep me looking good. That's the way she said, baby, I love you. But I didn't hear the words, I love you. So I didn't really know that she really, 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 really loved me. So I went through all this mental anguish and torture to be loved. Do you understand? You go out and you become the clown to be the, the, the life of the party because you want love, you want attention, you want somebody to recognize, hey, I'm here. This is us, a people who need to be loved and have not been loved. So the urge to be the need to be loved, the want to be loved has bent us all out of shape. So we make our hair green, Come on. purple, short troops. Yes. We wear loud colors, crazy yes. turn up shoes. All white folks got to do is make some wicked style. You may come out tomorrow with something with a tail on it. <laughs> and some black person would jump yes. in the tail suit, put on high heel shoes and an overstring bag, jerry curl and a plastic bag. Yes. And dip on down the street. What's wrong with you, nigga? I just got a need. I want somebody to notice me. I'm in the world. I'm alive. That's why your children raise hell. They mess up in school. They want attention. They want somebody to pay them some attention. I'm here, damn it. Y'all got me. And you get all bent out of shape. So you think your mama don't love you. And all of a sudden, here comes a brother along, and he pays you some attention. Oh, I'm in love. I'm in love. <clears throat> Poor brother. Ain't nobody giving him no attention. Some little girl smile at him. And he's all messed up in the head. <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> I never felt a feeling like this before. God has ever felt nothing like this in my life. This changed my whole personality. I'm in love. <laughs> There's a need to know. You're a human being, man. You're not an animal. You need to know. And you have an inquiring mind. And all people have to do to mess you up is when you're curious, put the wrong thing in your head. Because we have a need to know. And this is what white folks have done. We need to know. And then the white man controlled our education, then told us what he wanted us to know. And this is what white folks have done. We need to know. And then the white man controlled our education, then told us what he wanted us to know. Yeah. And you reason, you look at yourself and see why we're all bent up out of shape. Some of us today that are my color or lighter, we're sick. Well, I, I know I'm good looking. 
makes you good looking? Well, I'm light. Look like 10 miles of bad road, but he's good looking because he's light. Here's a black person. Skin look like chocolate pudding. Not a wrinkle nowhere. Handsome as he could be, but he's ugly. Because he's black. Sick. Who made you sick? It's the society that fed you. It came in on a need. I need to be loved. I need to know who I am and what I am and to feel my worth as a human being. But then somebody come in and tell me I'm black because I'm cursed. So then the lighter I am and the more close I am to white folk and the less black I am, the less cursed I am. So because I'm yes. less cursed, I walk tougher than the one who look more cursed. And the blacker you are, you think you're the most cursed of all. And that's so sad because the blackest men and the blackest women of ours are all frozen on the inside. Never speak, never stand up boldly because they feel that the whole damn world is against them and they're not wrong, but it's something we can overcome. We're just yes. dealing with God and the devil. This is a real force now. And all we're doing is manipulating forces within you. And we can make you good or make you evil just by the manipulation of these natural forces. Now let's come to this thing called sex. <clears throat> Now, people don't discover their stomachs. You know, they're born into the world hungry, so they got to eat. <clears throat> Some children know they got to eat, they don't even know where the food goes, but they know I got to eat. Then one day they learn in physiology the food, you know, goes in here and it goes down into a stomach. Oh, beautiful, I got a stomach. But you were hungry from day one. Now, as you mature, another hunger comes up in us because God has so fixed this thing, it's a timing mechanism. When you get, it used to be, sisters, when you're 12 or 13, and brothers, when you're in what they call puberty, you notice a little hair come under your arms and in other places, and you run and say, ooh, mommy! <laughs> A hair down there. <laughs> now that hair, if you look at the scriptures of Samson, the hair was a sign of his strength. <laughs> hair growing in certain areas where hair was not only means that the powers of these organs that were once dormant is now manifesting life. See? When you see, go out there, and you see it's springtime, you see the grass come up, it was all, the seed was already there, just waited for the right season, then it started coming up. Is that right? Same thing with you and me as human beings, the urge, the hunger for sex, 
is already there, but it's not the season. But when you start developing, then you notice feeling come into you and an attraction for the opposite sex. You don't understand it. At one point, you didn't care about boys. <laughs> and at one point, brothers, we didn't care about no girls. <laughs> but at another point, we got the point. <laughs> and we was pointed toward her, and she was pointed toward us. Now that's the area when this power and urge and hunger for expression comes alive. Now, no child knows how to control that urge. They hardly know what it is. They're experimenting with it. They know that this is wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. They know this is wrong. But knowing something is wrong and doing what is right, now that's an entirely different animal. A lot of folk know what's wrong, right and what's wrong, but the idea is I know it's wrong, but if loving you is wrong, I don't oh, want to be right. <laughs> See, now look at this. Wait, wait, does it? How did I get into this kind of stuff? Now, dear brothers and sisters, y'all all right? What I'm saying to you is, it takes strength to do what you know is right. See, it don't take strength to do wrong. All you gotta do to do wrong is follow the urge. The urge is neither right nor wrong. The urge is an urge. Now, when right and wrong comes in, is when you measure the standard up against the urge. Now, I'm hungry. There's a standard. Thou shalt not kill. Right. It don't mean thou shalt not kill, period, because you kill something to stay living. Yes, it means thou shalt not kill outside of the law of justice. Now, I'm hungry. I know I ain't supposed to kill. The urge say, eat. And if I keep hungry long enough, the urge is gonna overpower the moral law and I will kill. Then the urge, unsatisfied, led me to do something against the law of God. You see that? Yes. Now in the urge, there's a voice, and there's a counter voice. <laughs> this is all natural. Ain't got nothing to do with Bible or Quran. But what happens is what God has so wonderfully done through the prophets he took the drama that is played out on the inside of your bodies and he gives them names and character. 
and he gives it a drama and plays it out in the stories of the Bible. But you can't read the story and say, oh, I'm reading Cain and Abel. Oh, there's some cat named Cain did in his brother named Abel. <laughs> but you are not able to look inside and see how that drama is played out. I'd like to show you an example of Cain and Abel inside the cell. <laughs> Man, you know, I, I just got to say this. You know, brothers and sisters, look, I am so full in terms of what I really want to say to you. And it's just so painful to know that you can't say it and don't know when you get an opportunity. You know, that's the tragedy about death and leaving before you've emptied out on folk what God is showing you, you know? Well, that's another text. But I just had to stop a moment and just think because what all is rushing in my mind, I'll never be able to bring it all out. But I hope I can get enough of it out in the next few minutes that you will understand what I'm saying and then go home and look at you because the success and failure that has dogged you is all in your hands. You are the one that can make success and you can make failure. There is no power that can overcome you if you will to be in harmony with God's will because God's will is not that you be a slave, not that you be a tool of anybody. You're that because of circumstances, all right? Now let's look at the voice and the counter voice. The urge comes up. What is this urge I'm feeling in the pit of my stomach? Well, they call it love. Oh, love. Hmm. Why is it that little boys like to see little girls? Why is it little girls like to see little boys? And why is it little boys see each other? And little girls see each other? What is all of this? See, this is called discovery. Little Columbus, you know? <laughs> I'm not playing a game. I'm telling you what nature is. We're curious. Yes, Parents say, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> You're going to kill the child. Listen, fool. You forgot where you were? Right. When you were childless a few years ago? Now you don't come into quote unquote righteousness and you don't know that righteousness is a natural expression? And people are expressing the nature and that's why God gives them to you as parents so you can guide the nature until they get enough strength to control the urge? We scared of nature. Yes, sir. I don't want you now. The little girl comes up. She has her little menses. And the mother takes her in the room. Now, daughter. <laughs> Tears running out of her eyes. Okay. Right. <laughs> Come on, 
Now, daughter, you must stay away from boys. <laughs> because if you don't, <laughs> you'll bring shame. Kind of frighten the little girl. Instead of sitting her down and making her understand what this is. Yes. Teaching her intelligently, sweetheart, this is why this has happened. And now, mommy and daddy, especially mommy, we have to be real close, me and you. <laughs> yes. Not so much you and daddy, but me and you. That's another whole subject. I really want to deal with child abuse. I want to show you, beloved, what God has absolutely held, had me to realize about why men get involved with their own daughters. And it's a sickness. And I never realized this thing was as rampant as it is. But this is a sickness. And you've got to understand what it is, sister, because in a large part, you can control it. That's not the subject tonight. Subject is dealing with this thing, this urge that comes up that is called sex. Now, I just showed you what hunger will do to bend you out of shape. What the need to be loved and respected and to belong will do to bend you out of shape. Sex will bend you out of shape. And in this world where sex is to lead to pleasure. Sex is to lead to responsibility. This is not something to play with. This like any nature uncontrolled will destroy you. The wind is beautiful. Go out in a hurricane. Water is great, but don't get caught in a tidal wave. Huh? Snow is wonderful. Don't be in an avalanche. So nature, the same nature that gives life and comfort is the nature that kills if it's out of control. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now this is a force, sex, and urge, and a hunger. And if we don't get control of it, we can never rise to greatness. I'll say it again. If we don't get control of the urge of sex, we can never rise to greatness. Or if we rise to greatness by getting control, then lose control. The sex will destroy your greatness, our greatness. Sex is, look at this now. It is the concentric circle from which comes the power to give life or death. That's why 
God is hard on sex offenses. You read the Old Testament, why? Brother says it's frightening. When you live in the kind of society that we live in, that everything is all right. When you read the Bible and put the standard of God's word of the Bible and Quran up against the actions of the people in the Western world, particularly in America, all of us would be killed outright in the Holy World. Yes. When I was in the Holy Land, my son was with me. They kill you. Listen, you don't have no sex offense. That, that, straight up. You see a little girl, I like her. I don't like her. I don't want her. <laughs> You ease on down the road, and ain't no yellow brick road, baby. That's blood and you the whiz. And in a whiz, in a flash, you wish that you hadn't. Because they ain't got no jails. They find you guilty of fornication, and they take your head off. Listen to this now. They kill you. The law in the world of uh, the righteous, both the Jews and the Muslims, they stone you to death. And if you've ever been in that area of the world, they ain't got nothing over there but stones. <laughs> and they just put you in a pit and everybody picks up a stone and fires it at you because the stone represents the law, the firmness of the law. And when you break the law, the people pick up the law, the stone. It was written on stone. And then they throw it at the person until the person is dead. And every time they throw the stone at that person that has sinned, they're actually killing the desire for that sin in themselves. Because whatever you do out reflects back in. Now look, beloved, there's no getting away from nothing you do. There ain't no hiding place, nowhere, because whatever you do on the outside, it comes back on the inside. And whatever you are on the inside, it reflects to the outside. So God set that thing up. And whenever you're a sex offender, they throw the stone at you. And if I'm in the pack, gotta throw a stone. And I wanted to do the same thing that you're getting stoned for. That's where that there but for the grace of God go be. Because every time you throw the stone and that person you see the blood skating out, that's you dying. Yes. And pretty soon you get your thing together. <laughs> and when you see that pretty girl, you look the other way, brother. <laughs> In that world, if you speak, Smack your mother, rise up against your mother, they kill you. Because when you rise up against your mother, you rising up against God's agent through which you came to birth. You rise up against her death. And, and there ain't no play. Let me tell you, when I was over there, a brother, the girl, his sister, saw a young man and he is the eldest. She should not marry this man until the father 
and all the brethren give her sanction. She ran off with the boy. The brother found her and killed her. That's the law. You don't bring no disgrace in our house because you can't control your sex, then you lose your life. Ain't no such thing as you getting away with, well, if it's hard because I can't seem to go with the women, then I slip around with the men. Oh, no. <laughs> Serious, brother, sister, that's death. This thing is too heavy, you know. Just please, best bear with me. Now look, beloved, I want to say this. I'm not saying what I'm saying for nobody to feel guilty. I love you as a brother and as a sister. And ain't nobody so holy that we can throw off on somebody else. You understand? Yes, sir. But the object is to show you the standard of God. And then measure your urges and our actions against the standard. Then we see how far we got to go to be pleasing to God. Now look at this. The reason that sex offenses are so punished by the word of God is because fornication is a very serious, it's a serious offense. A young girl that is a virgin, you know, when a man tampers with her, he is interfering with this girl's ability to give herself completely to one whom she may love in the future that is willing to take up a responsibility of this act that they are about to enter into that love dictates. But when you slip in and take from her her virtue, you have sentenced a part of her to death already. Because a woman that sleeps around with Every kind of man. I mean, that's a hell of a thing. You taking your wife to bed, and she's remembering all the other men she slept with, and comparing you to them. And if there's any one of them that you don't measure up to, then while she's loving you, she's thinking about that one. She ruined. She can't give herself. I mean, it's a hell of a thing. This is why when a father or a brother or an uncle or somebody goes and messes in this, the punishment is death. Kill them all. Because they mess up life. Because sex is no plaything. That's the last thing you want to give away, woman. God damn it. When you understand what you got and who you are and what that is, then you don't let no nigga come up to you and 
give you a little song and dance and you run in the damn bed and open your legs? You a damn fool, woman. Now, wait a minute, brother. I said, don't be messing up my stuff. Nigga, you ought to be glad I don't take your damn head off. I got to mess up your damn stuff because you so sick, you messing up a nation. When you play in women, you destroy a nation and a people. That's why we kill you for that. And we kill you right along with them, sister. Because you ain't fit to go on in life. You cannot live life under the power of urges, then you are an animal. And animals, God made them. You are not that. So when you want to be that, we kill you. Because you are out of your character. You hear me? You just don't know yourself. A man come to you with a song and a dance. A man got to be responsible. You don't give yourself to a man. Throw yourself away because you like the way he look. What the hell is that? He's cute. Spin cute. When you lay down in that damn hospital and that nigga is gone, tell me about cute. When you are bearing the burden of the guilt of abortion, tell me about cute. Ain't no nigga cute that puts you out with God. This is something we gotta get control of. That's right. I'm telling you, brothers, your nature is to run for the woman. That's the nature of us. We can't help that. That's all in the nature. Any man that ain't looking for a woman, something has happened to his nature. And that happens in this world. No human being is born homosexual. That don't, that's not, you ain't born that way. Circumstances make us other than ourselves. I'll go into that at another time. But by the help of Almighty God, I can show you how a homosexual is made. And this world is so screwed up that men delight in going with men and women. Women delight in going with women and men. How do you think a God who gave you sex and gave me sex, how do you think he looks upon our activity with the nature that he gave us, how we have made mischief with it, converted it, distorted it, corrupted it, and now it's killing us with AIDS and every kind of damnable disease. There, Farrakhan, you know, you shouldn't use that harsh language. You're right. Damn, that's, the, that's about the hardest thing I can do. Because it hurts to see us all destroying our futures. 
young men cannot control themselves like little dogs. What's the matter with you? All I got to urge. I want me some pleasure. Good. It's very good. But why are you running from this? Right. You don't get this without this. So you got to learn to control this thing, lest it dominate you. I was a boy, 16 years old. I'm younger than that. I knew the value of a woman. I never played with women. Go check my record out. Never. I don't say that because I think I'm better than anybody else. God just made me a certain way. That don't mean I'm not like any other boy or human being, subject to earth. But I used to tell my friends in show business, brother, don't do that. You ruin your career. Do you ever watch a person that becomes a star? You always see a lot of women around. Why are you like that, sisters? <laughs> see, you don't understand, do you? I know you don't. All you know is you're attracted to men of power and wisdom and wealth and fame. Why are you attracted to men like that? Well, they can take care of me. It's deeper than that. You know what it is? In this world, you do not become a star without paying some dues. And when you become a star, you come through pain and anguish and difficulty to become that. And after difficulty comes ease. And when she recognizes that you paid a price, to get where you are, she want to give you the ease that you deserve. And so she, out of a sick nature, or a nature that's not controlled by a well mind. I know, man, look, I'm all into your nitty gritty now. And if that kind of man just offers you says a word to you, you immediately, you can't resist. Because once you believe he's paid those kind of dues, then you wish. Your nature makes you respond to want to comfort such person, console such person. And that's why all these great ones get in trouble. All the stars are brought down through this. All the great ones are destroyed by this. Now look, I'm not telling you that we shouldn't be passionate. What I'm telling you is passion has its place. God makes us all passionate. But when you're not around your mate, you ain't got no reason. 
who let things out. I'm going to close now. I know. I know it's kind of rough. I know it's kind of rough. But you know, when you live these kind of things, we should learn. And if you learn, you pass on. Now I'm going to go through this whole board and just deal with this, these forces. God, devil, opposite. Do we have an urge for sex? And sexual expression? Sexual activity? We do. Parents, it's rough in this world when we don't make enough money. Daddy got to work, mama got to work. So the children at this age now, where they're going through these heavy changes and teenagers go through heavy changes. And maybe you done passed out of it so long you don't remember. But teenagers go through hell because they're in between two changes. They're not children and they're not adults in between and there's a pull sometimes to go back to the child to go forward to be more adult and then worse than that they're in between the change of two worlds the world of the white man and the world of evil is on his way out and a world of righteousness is on his way in now children at that critical stage you know talk don't get it them children need parental care. I mean, as a mother and a father, we got to be with ours. This is a mistake that I made. That's why preachers' children are sometimes the worst that they are. I'm not saying that mine is bad, but preachers' children ain't sometimes worth a damn. <laughs> but you don't know why. You don't know why. The preacher himself makes them no damn good. How did the preacher do that? Because the preacher preaches so damn much about a righteousness and he neglects his children and he drives them away from the very thing he's supposed to be calling them to. You can't be all for God and not for your children. We can't be all for God and not our wives. We can't be all for God and don't have a home life. You drive your children away because your children say, well, damn it, if you love this God and this Jesus and I can't get none of your time, well, F you and God and Jesus, I'm going to do my thing. Now, that may sound wrong, but that's what they're saying in their actions. Yeah, Farrakhan, why are you so mean? Because I realize the mistakes I have made in my life. And what good is it for you to make mistakes and not learn from them and then help others to profit from the mistakes that you've made as you mess up your life and the lives of others? 
You must not look up at me and think that because I teach this wisdom, I paid a hell of a price to get what I'm passing on to you. I've killed many to learn to give life. So that maybe you young ones who aspire to the ministry can get some damn sense in your head and be a better minister and a better man than I was a minister and a man. And I'm a young man yet. But I think it's wrong for these so-called preachers to act as though they never did nothing wrong so to make the people have some false image of them. Children need us at a certain age. When they're going through this puberty thing, they need their parents. You got to help them through this. When that urge come up, you got to be there to help your children to understand they're not sick, they're not evil, they're not wicked. You just have to guide them and say, baby, this is sacred. And this should never be except when the right one comes along and you're too young right now to accept that kind of responsibility mommy can I uh, Johnny wants to come over tonight and and see me no Johnny don't want to come in my house (laughs) (laughs) there'll be no Johnny in here what the hell can Johnny do Johnny ready for responsibility Johnny ready for this Johnny ready for this, but Johnny ain't ready for that. Keep Johnny's behind out of your house. And keep Johnny where Johnny belongs. Growing up with his daddy, let his daddy teach him something. Not the use of condoms, but to develop his will to overcome and master the urge until he's powerful enough to control himself. Let me tell you, brother, when a man got that kind of control, some women hate him. I've had women cuss me. I was a young boy. I wasn't even Muslim at that time. I'm in show business. On the stage, white woman come to me. She was going to make me a costume of $20 bills. And all I had to do was be with her. I said, no, thank you. I I make enough. She looked at me and said, you must be a faggot. She trying to play on my ego. I was a little boy. I looked at her and said one thing. I know what I am, but you'll never find out. And I walked away from that woman. Let me tell you. That's right. A man of principle. And that's why I'm loved by women all over America and all over the world. I'm loved by them because they know I ain't in no bed with none of them.
<laughs> Ain't that sweet? And let me tell you something, brother. If you really want respect and honor, don't fool with women. If you really want to grow to be a powerful man, get control of your urge for the pleasure of a woman and recognize that when you disgrace and lowrate women, you have destroyed yourself. Now I'd like to conclude. I know this is a rough one tonight. <clears throat> we live in a world that spends billions of dollars to come in the straight path of God, the nature in which he created us, and to feed our heads so much stuff till the urges get so strong for sex and pleasure that it overpowers the head of intelligence and causes us to sink. Let me show you how it works. The urge, you see a person that you like, and there's always somebody we like. And mommy's not home, daddy's not home. Maybe it's somebody's wife and he's not home. Maybe it's somebody's husband and she's not home. And it just starts with conversation. Hi, how are you? How are you feeling? How was your day today? Oh, it's been rough. <laughs> and mine hasn't been too good either. Can I, can I fix you something? You know, I, I've been looking at you a long time and I really, I, I always liked you. <laughs> you don't tell him that you saw him first. And you've been liking him a long time. You keep that a little to yourself and you just, <laughs> oh, really? Excuse me, I want to change my clothes. I, it's a little hot in here. I'll be right back. <laughs> Get into something a little more loose and comfortable. Now the fool, his mind is running now. The urge didn't come up. The hunger's getting great. And uh, the boy began to lose his intelligence. He said he loved your husband, but 
and they're real good friends, but, but, <laughs> yeah, but, but the urge is so strong. I can't think about this is my husband's wife or my friend's uh, wife or this is my friend's husband or this is my brother's daughter or the, I, the, the urge too strong now I, I can't think but a voice from within says brother don't you do that a voice from within says sister now you know you should ask him to leave right now get him out of here Then the counter voice says, I'm not going to do anything. I just want to see how far he'll go. <laughs> Any resemblance to anyone living or dead is not a coincidence. This is your life. Time for me to go, anybody? See how words, words breathe fire. You see the dragon in, in the New Testament? A dragon starts off as a serpent in the Genesis. Now it's a dragon in the Revelation. Dragon is a mythological figure that spews what? Fire. It don't mean fire coming out the mouth. It means words that ignite the fire of passion. Whether it's the passion of hatred, the passion of love, the passion of sex, but it's a passion, but it's misdirected for evil purposes. So we just speak words and then cite lust. Now there's a flame growing. There's a flame coming up out of the earth. <laughs> Come on, baby, light my fire. <laughs> now, water will put out fire. But when you got the urge, you don't want no water. Here come the cool voice, which is the voice of God. That's water. And you say, mm-mm, I don't want to hear that. Then the counter voice, now look at this, comes up like a snake. Here's the serpent weaving up over the voice of right. And it begins to spew poison. This is Satan. Ain't no devil outside of you. It's something right on the inside saying, listen. Oh, well, I've always liked him. And even though she's married to him, I liked him before she knew him. <laughs> and in my mind, I always wanted him to be my husband anyway, so <laughs> technically, I'm married to him. 
Now, 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 wait a minute. How do you talk yourself into things like this? What do you call that is going on in your mind? What do you call that? See, that's the weaving of a serpent, a snake. Yeah. And let me tell you something, fellow snakes. <laughs> All you little hissing creatures. I know this is rough. Don't, don't tell me it ain't. I mean, look, I, you may not sleep tonight, but I may not either just for making you lose your sleep. But you know, when you want something, you lie to yourself to make wrong look right to justify what you about to do. Ain't no devil on the outside talking to you. It's a force on the inside and a desire that you want to complete. And you don't want the voice of God within to stop you from doing it. So you start deluding yourself. And your own wit and intelligence begins to move like that of a serpent, making the evil you're about to do look good in your own eyes. Just so you can do this act. See? Now, you done, this voice is crushed by the counter voice. You done sold your mind a bill of goods now, mm. and it's okay. So the serpent, dragon, the serpent, and now you've become a beast. Yeah. You no longer have any respect for law. It's only your desire that counts. And now you stalk your prey like a beast. I got it now. I got it now. <laughs> she didn't wear any chains or clothes. I got it now. <laughs> then you start talking. Spewing more fire out. Right, Dragon? <laughs> and this is something that Listerine and Scope can't kill. <laughs> <laughs> and you take her in your arms and you kiss her and before you know it oh stop, stop. now you this is wrong I know it's wrong I don't know what's gotten into me snake what you mean you don't know what got into you we just become a low creeping crawling viper we have become a predator we become a beast and a dragon these are the forces right within yourself and myself and ourselves these are the forces that if you get control of it you go up you lose control, you go down. And I must say to all of us who aspire to the ministry, who aspire to leadership, there's nothing more enticing than the enticing beauty of women. 
And when you speak the word of God, women who are the women of God, they hear God's voice. It ain't you. It's God in you that they hear. But they're not wise enough to differentiate between the God without and the manifestation of the spark of God within that human being. But it's God that they're actually seeking. And you never see a woman more disappointed than after she has made you succumb to her charm. I mean, she's disappointed. I thought you were good. I'm just so sick of you. You just, you make me sick. Have this over, get up and go, quick. Get out. Sometimes you wonder, what's wrong with you, baby? You say, I don't understand this woman. And that's why we run out from the woman's house and become homosexual because we don't understand what the hell this is we're dealing with over here. <laughs> you drive a man into that kind of madness because you don't know what the hell he's dealing with when he deals with you. Because you tell him you want one thing and you really don't want that. Then he gives you what you want, then you're disappointed and don't like him no more. He gets so damn confused, his mind is blown. He's oh, hey brothers! <laughs> you see them laughing, brother? <laughs> they they laughing. The sisters are laughing, brother, cause they say that this cat knows us. <laughs> you ain't laughing, cause you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But you know you. But the sisters actually know. Now, may I tell you, brother, that a woman don't want to see you fall. She'll try to make you fall, but she don't really want to see you fall. If you are strong enough, God, if you could just save the earth, ain't nothing happening. Watch her. She'll look at you. What? <laughs> you mean I'm not appealing to you? Then you see shyness come up in them. Shame come up in them. And then the beauty of them starts coming out. At last, here's a man that will not bow to an urge for pleasure. And now she loves him all the more. That is, if you can ever find one like that, <laughs> If you can ever find that needle in the haystack, you got a wonderful man. And I respectfully submit to you that every one of these 
are wonderful men. They just need to be taught of God and to learn themselves. And we need to grow into self-mastery. And brother, when we grow into that, we're on our way up. Now, let me conclude. I asked a question in the study guide. Maybe you didn't get to it. You'll probably get to it this Friday. If you submit and come under the powers within, what powers do you come under outside of yourself? Now, the Caucasian works like a snake. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. Now, this don't mean you don't work like a snake. I already did that with our sneaky five seconds. Yes, sir. But now I want you to look at a real heavy serpent. Yes, sir. Now, this white man is suffering. Now, this cat, if you watch a snake flick out his tongue, see? Yes, sir. White people, when they come up to you, they start talking. And that tongue shoots out because the sense of the snake is in, the, in this little tongue, see? He flicks his tongue out to find out where you are up top. He starts asking you little questions. And what about tongue, tongue, tongue? Oh, yes, sir. They don't come making a statement. They ask you. Then when you come forth, well, my husband, son, 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 oh, I like this. Oh, I like that. Then you see them, they come back like they're with you. Oh, yes, sir. See? I mean, this is a serpent. And all the time, they weave it. I mean, white folks have weaved around the black man, the black woman, and crushed you and me. They've weaved their way around the whole world and crushed the world. This is why the Bible calls that serpent in the book of Genesis now, this huge serpent in the book of Revelation. They ain't talking about no snake. It's talking about human beings who use the power of their mind in a crooked, surreptitious, slippery, slimy manner for evil purposes. He's a dragon. See? Speaks out of his mouth. Watch this. You see this little white girl on TV. Talking soft. Now you lose control of the earth. Satan got you. But That's hell. 
When you're angry and you can't control it, you're destructive. Right. How many of us have killed one another in anger? We don't mean no harm, but we get angry and we slaughter our friends. That's hell. And you're in the raging hell of your passions. Burning up like ovens, sisters. You're on fire. Passion. You don't want to control. May Allah help us to get control of ourselves. Now the white man, the government of America, four great beasts. America is a great beast. England is a great beast. Russia is called a bear. Yes. A beast. These are the governments of the world that control the people. So you got the mark of a beast in your forehead and in your hands. You don't think like lawful, law-abiding human beings that respect divine and natural law. You speak out of urge, out of desire, out of lust. So a man comes in the name of God speaking out of the lust to be looked at and looked up to and honored and praised of men. A beast. See? But we do it in the name of God. It's sick. It makes everything you do suspicious. So what you got to do, beloved, what I got to do, what we got to do is put your words and your actions under the microphone the light of God and then ask yourself what power are you under mm -hmm. see I have been somewhat like a snake <clears throat> don't go home and say the minister said he was a snake <laughs> you can't even tell truth to niggas man they this right. Right. <laughs> now look at Jesus he said be you wise as the serpent why did Jesus say a thing like that? Look at Sugar Ray the other night. Yeah. Right? I saw that fight. <laughs> I know Monday was FOI night. <laughs> I was in the FOI class with Sugar that night. And Marvin Hagler, I was checking this thing out. Sugar defied the odds. Yes, he but he was a man that overcame difficulty. Yes. He was a man that showed us human potential. Yes, he was a man that showed us the power of the will. Yes. And he came on in that ring. Everybody thought he would lose. Right. But look at it. He knew Hagler was stronger than him, but he had to stay out of the way of yes. Hagler's power. Yes, he, did. he danced, didn't he dance? Yes, he did. And he angled on him, didn't he? Yes, so he could make the boy miss and then he fell yes, on you something man that's mathematics that's being wise as the serpent and I'm saying I have angled on this white man I have angled on America and I have angled on my enemies never for unrighteous purposes but I weave my way right on through my enemies until God made my enemies my footstool
Farrakhan. They don't like this Islam. I go right in the church. And when I get through weaving, everybody's hollering, good God Almighty. That's what you call being wise as the serpent. But never using that kind of mentality for evil purposes. That's the difference. Because we all can be a snake. We all at times have to use finesse. We all at times have to use wisdom and even guile to make people think one thing, move at them in another way. Have you done it? Talk back to me. Every one of you have done it. Children do it, birds do it, bees do it. Everybody does it. Everybody uses skill and guile. Children use it when they play the game on their parents. That's right. Looking all innocent. Yeah. <laughs> no, mother, I didn't. <laughs> and then get behind the door with your brother and sister. <laughs> That's snake. That's snake. Then sometimes you become beasts. You're unlawful, but now you're going to stand up to your father. Right. Yes. Right. Then he have to show you that you ain't worth a damn. Right. Pop you behind him, isn't it? He bust that beast up quick. Right. And that's what God got for this blue-eyed devil. Yes, sir. But the white man can't do nothing with us if he don't come in through the urges. If you got the urges under control, Whitey can't get to you. He said, let's get Farrakhan. How you gonna get me? So we'll see what he likes. See what he likes. I'm a natural man. I like women. I love women. <laughs> And I don't let my urge <laughs> overcome me. That's yes, right. sir. That's By right. the help of God. That's right. Oh, sir, passion is only for those <laughs> whom the right hand possess. <laughs> After that, you keep everything in check. Let's see what he likes. Maybe he likes money. See, that Satan outside is always trying to find where you weak to bring you down. You come at our little babies, these little children just in school, and some little young dude your age selling you crack. Well, a little fella selling you crack, he don't realize who he's an agent of. All he know is mommy ain't got no money, daddy ain't got no money. Daddy cut out. We've been on welfare. I'm tired of living like this. I see everybody else got something. Well, if I can sell this crack and get me something, I'm going to have me something too. So the little boy's out there selling crack. He's not really conscious that he's destroying his people, himself, right. his community. He just wants some money. Yes, sir. Right. She just being a prostitute, not because she really want to be that. Right. She wants some money. That's she want right. to live better than others who she's seen That's living like that. dogs. Yes. Yes, sir. It's a hell of a world we live in. Mm. 
And so, dear brothers and sisters, we're victims. We're victims of a heavy snake that studies you. You think they ain't studying me Washington? They are. You think they ain't bugging him? Yes, sir. They got his house bugged. They got his chamber bugged. You think you go to sleep at night and you sleeping alone? Every breath you take, every snore you make. The FBI is listening, not to you, individual you, but any one of us that he wants to destroy, man. This man is watching us. And he's looking for weakness in us. And every one of us got him. So brothers and sisters, if we develop the will, the strength to control the urge, don't let the urge control us. It's the will, it's intelligence. I can't do this. I will not do this. Stand up strong like a man and a woman. And then the enemy says, I can't come in that door. They got it locked. I can't come in that door. They got it locked. Then when Satan has no more doors, I'm talking about the outside Satan. When they have no more doors to get in because his counterpart on the inside is crushed then his man on the inside can't open the door to the man on the outside to let your enemy in. I leave you. They of a man's own household will be his worst enemies. And this that is on the inside of our house, if it's not under our control, it can be our worst enemy. Urges on the inside, open the door to what's on the outside. If you knock it down on the inside, it can be all on the outside trying to get in. Can't find a window, can't find a door, can't find a keyhole to peek through. Finally, it just gets tired and gone away, but don't you go to sleep. Because you're strong today, that don't mean you'll be strong tomorrow. And that's what happens when you get a victory you think you've overcome. Right when you're in the joy of victory, Satan got you. You understand? You got it? So if you win today, tomorrow is another day. Pray to Allah for strength to win again. And let's go through the board. This is the head God gives to the body. This is the heaven. This is the earth. Heaven and earth work together to promote responsibility. See? But in the body, there's an urge. Many urges that have to be controlled. These urges, these needs, these wants. If these wants are controlled, it leads to life. If these urges are out of control, it leads to death and it robs life of its power. Because all life comes from water. And water 
is the kind of matter that reacts to the kind of environment that you put it in. If the temperature is such, it remains warm. If you heat it, it'll become steam. If you cool it, it'll become ice. So you've got to be careful where you bring your life. Bring your life around things that'll freeze you, you become cold. Bring your life around things that'll heat you, and you become steam. Now, if you want to rise up above the world, stay with God. And he'll take the life of you, and he'll make you soar above the world, like you'll take on wings. You understand? If you remain water, you just seek your level. What does that mean? Whatever you think, that's what you're going to be. That's what you're going to hang out with. Don't tell me, look, my, all my friends are drug addicts, but I don't use drugs. Mommy, I just happen to be with them. Understand, baby? All my friends are prostitutes, but I'm just there. I ain't selling nothing, mama. Whatever you are, that's what you hang out with. That's right. Your friends and you is one and the same. Now, if you want to be steam, you better come on and let this word of God get a hold of you and give you the strength. I thank you so much for coming out tonight. I, I thank you. I thank you from the depth of my heart for being so wonderfully patient with me to stay here this long. I'm really sorry that I used certain words tonight, but those words that I use show the anger and frustration that I feel as a man that God is growing up and I look back at myself and I see in myself things that I don't like, didn't like, don't like, and I wish to have the power to destroy them. Yes. See? You should be the same. Stop looking at somebody else and start looking at yourself. And let me tell you, you will get well when you look at yourself. I want to show you, by the grace of God, this coming Sunday, why God allowed the Caucasian to come onto this planet and do all of this evil. Why? If God is good, why did he allow the white man to do all this evil? And I think I will leave, but I did tell you I would tell you Cain and Abel inside yourself. See, you come, Cain and Abel came from one single essence, so same parents but they had two different natures and dispositions. It's talking about two different sides of yourself. There's one side of you that is able, able to do 
all the things that God would have you to do. And when you do it from that side, God is pleased with your offering. But then there's another side of you that comes from the ground. See, this Cain side. And Cain is always jealous. Not really jealous in the sense of two human beings, but is struggling against Abel on the inside of you. It's always like the flesh struggling against the spirit. See? And so Cain slew his brother Abel. And God put a mark on Cain. See? And right now, the ability and power that God has put within every one of us is always tested by the weaker and lower desires. Cain's um, offering came from the ground. It was corn, is that right? It grew up out of the ground. Abel's offering was sheep or life. You understand? Both came out of the ground, but one was living with, with light force and the other was an inanimate object. So here you have in your own being these two forces struggling always against each other. Again, the same picture is given in the picture of Rebecca. It says two nations were within her womb. And two manner of people would be separated from her bowels. And the younger would serve, I mean, would rule the elder. And the elder would serve the younger. And you know, the body comes as a result of the head. So the head is always older than the body. But now the head, which is the older, serves the desires. Oh, look, 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 look. Brothers and sisters, it's time to go home. But what I want you to see is that religion is wonderful. Scripture is marvelous. Let's bring it up out of the baby, child-like stage. Take your picture. Put you in hell. Now you understand? in your own being that make a hell for you in your life. And when you got control of it by a rightly guided mind, I woke up this morning and I woke up on time. I woke up this morning and I woke up in my right mind. See, that's it. Get this together. And this will follow because this made this this is the trainer and master of this. Don't let the devil take your head. Let God give you one. And then let the heart be circumcised. Let the foreskin of the heart be taken away that the residue in the darkness can be washed away by the water of remembrance of God and his righteousness. Thank you for listening as I greet you in peace.